When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Port Macquarie Pearl sporting breakups. Clint Newton broke up with Jen Hawkins. No wonder the Players Association dispute lasted so long. Clint literally got rid of Miss Universe. Thank you for that. 0457 736 736. Well, on the cricket front, we've all got our selectors hat on, don't we? We never take it off, really, as Aussie sports fans. Smith, Green, maybe someone else to take that vacant opening position of David Warner and have a lash at the mighty West Indies. Then in the Big Bash, we're seeing strong crowds, strong ratings in different weather and in certain circumstances in different pitches. Now, a bit has been said about the state of the wicket at Sydney Showground last night. I called the game alongside Doug Bollinger. Ricky Ponting, we displayed his grab there, was very critical. My next guest, Scotty Bailey, was particularly critical from AAP. He's on the line right now. Morning, Scotty. We'll try that again. Is he gone? He didn't want to have a chat. Scotty, are you there? No? Okay, we'll try and re-establish that line with Scott Bailey from AAP. A few gremlins in the system at the moment. But Scott wrote this on Twitter, and he said, it's about time something was done about this wicket at the Sydney Showground. One of the most populated and culturally diverse areas of the country. It's hard to see how the style of cricket constantly played here can bring any new fans to the game. We might have him back on the line right now. Scotty, good morning. Got you, Jules. How you doing, mate? Good. Now, listen, before we get to the state of the pitch and uh, opening batters and the rest of it, um, Nike and Tiger Woods, amicable separation, gone their own way. Sporting splits, that, that saddened you. Maybe a player left one team for another or maybe a power couple decided to, to part company and thought, oh, you know, this, this upsets me. Any sporting splits that you can think of? Um, personally, I'd say the... Uh Breakup of Manly's team in twenty was it in twenty fourteen when essentially a lot of those premiership winning guys, so um, Ryan and Matt Eye and the Stewarts and, and that whole yeah the, um, yeah especially like I think yeah Glenn Shield and Anthony Watmore and a few all left at the same time but mm. uh, I'd say uh, I mean as far as great sporting breakups go it's Sunny Bill and the Bulldogs isn't it that's the that's the yes. um, the number one in West Rugby League in the last couple of decades isn't it as far as non-amical breakups and the uh, PR disasters that followed that one. <laughs> haven't, they, haven't they kissed and made up now, the Bulldogs and Sonny Bill? Uh, they have. Yeah, yeah okay. it's about 20 years, but oh, just under. But they, oh, no, sorry, 15 years or just under, but mm-hmm. they, have a, they have now kissed and made up, which is, it's a pretty nice thing, I think, that yeah. he got in there at the start of this year. I don't remember, like, a breakup that upset fans as much as that one, though, right? Like, fans usually sort of are upset for a bit. They get over it, but, like, Bulldogs fans hated Sonny Bill for a oh, long, long time after yeah, that one. They did. Well, anyway, now he's invited back to family functions. You said it's about time something was done about this wicket at the Sydney showground. We heard Ricky Ponting's comments, one of the most populated and culturally diverse areas of the country. Hard to see how the style of cricket constantly played here can bring any new fans to the game. I, I called the game last night. Look, it wasn't great. No doubt it wasn't great. I'm not sure, though, you know, 137 did it with five balls to spare. It's a pretty dour game. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it here. But, you know, something that occasionally gives 
the bowlers a shot. Is it necessarily that bad a thing, Scott Bailey? I would normally say no, it's not. Like if I've said a lot of times, like give me a two thirteen plays two thirteen ODI over, you know, four three four plays whatever South Africa hit that yeah. day, or you know, three fifty each whatever. But I think we have to look at the actual purpose of the Big Bash League, and for Cricket Australia, it's a gateway um, to the sport and trying to bring new fans in. And while I don't mind watching Ashton Agar turn the ball square, like do we really think that? watching spinners barely go for any runs or as is often the case at the showground, the ball get hit from a finger spinner down to one line for a single and put that on repeat for yeah. 12 overs in a row, whatever is, is bringing new fans. And it's not, I mean, the showground has the lowest run rate of any ground in the big bash throughout the competition's history. Uh, it's a ground that's always been made for spinners and, you know, off pace deliveries. And, last night was probably not towards the worst of it, but it's been an issue for a number of years now. Like I remember covering a WBBL game there where Lisa Healy and Lisa Perry were both bowled by balls that didn't go above the ankle almost. Yeah. And then the men's game that night was just as bad. It was actually fun to be um, scorchers again. So, I, you know, I, I genuinely think it's a real issue for, for Cricket Australia in, in such a big population area and for, and for Cricket New South Wales um, that, you know, there's, it's hard to attract fans. And if I, if I may have an anecdote of my own, like when, when my wife and I started dating, she, for some reason, decided she'd try and show some interest in cricket because I think she was trying to... <laughs> oh, no, no, she is. And, and she's not a cricket fan. And, and like she went to a couple of big bash games at, um, at the showground and a couple of the SCG and she'd walk away from the showground. She just didn't find it interesting. And she didn't know why she didn't find it interesting because it's not like she was like, oh, the spinners dominated. But... You go to the SCG and the ball comes onto the bat and it flies yeah. into the crowd, and you just don't get that at the showground. And I, I question how it can bring new fans into the sport with that kind of cricket. No, I take your point. Uh, look, at the end of the day, you just want that balance, the perfect balance between the bat and ball. And this went too far the other way. I, I just think this suggestion that you know, do you look at uprooting them and, and parking them permanently at Manuka? I think that that is oh, over that's the right. top. No, yeah. I mean, you know, their yeah. growth strategies. You're right there in Western Sydney, and particularly that that Southeast Asian. Uh, diaspora now, uh, Smith Green. It seems to be a race in two now, Scotty. Yes, yeah, if I may just sorry go back one second there. I've got a story coming out in a second. The Thunder are definitely not abandoning Western Sydney. If anything, yeah. they'll play more games there next yep. season. So, like they've they've been. Uh, Chris Green was pretty strong on that last night. That that's their home. And for all the criticism I have of that pitch, I don't think for a second they should be leaving Western no. Sydney and the Thunder. Definitely won't be. But, yeah, sorry, back to the test opening uh, situation. Yeah, I think uh, my gut feel is we'll see Cameron Green open in Adelaide just because um, the case is growing stronger for him to return to the side and also for minimal disruption in the batting order. Um, moving Steve Smith to open would then require, you know, it would break up he and Marnus as number three and number four. And while they haven't exactly set the world on fire in the last, uh, you know, this summer at least, they're still one of the most formidable, you know, number threes and number fours in the world uh, and have been a big part of Australia's rise to number one in test cricket and world test champions. So my gut feel is that Cameron Green will get a chance at the top over the next few tests um, to see what he can do there. Of course, he's never opened before in, in shield cricket, let alone test cricket. Uh, but the numbers are pretty handy for guys who have batted middle order and been moved to the, the top over the last sort of 50 or 60 years So for Australia. So... That's my gut feel. The other advantage of Cameron Green is he also, um, yeah, you got him in the gully, but B, with him in the side, they have five 
frontline quicks, which yeah. probably then uh, allows you know the, the pace trio to play on that little bit longer and less rotation in particular. That's probably the biggest thing, less rotation between the side protest matches because it just eases the workload slightly. So I think there's a lot of positives to getting Cameron Green back in the side. Yeah, you can probably ask some fair questions then about what the runs in the Sheffield Shield means to Cameron Bangroft at the top, given what he's done. But my gut feel is he will miss out when that squad's announced tomorrow. Yeah, I believe so. And the thing about it is, and you know, Shield numbers are not everything, but they've got to count for something because anybody aspiring to play for Australia needs to know what is required to be selected. So I can understand if he doesn't get picked and we don't think he will, Bancroft, that he would be frustrated. But, you know, they keep saying, just keep scoring runs, keep taking wickets. And if you keep doing that, eventually they're going to have to, to pick you. And, of course, then Usman, I mean, you know, he's at the, the very back end of his career as well. So if he does miss out, he may not have to miss out for long. Always good to get your thoughts, Scotty. Thank you so much. Pleasure, Jules. Have a great day, mate. And you. There he is, Scott Bailey from AAP. Uh, Lionel, just before the break, we still hate SBW. <laughs> it's like those that'll... You know, if you decide you don't like David Warner, it doesn't matter what he does. You know, it could rescue some stray puppies if you still hate the bloke, wouldn't you? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Happy to take your calls after the news and the text line 0457 736 736. Brett Phillips is on the line right now. Morning, VP. Uh, morning. <laughs> Enlightening. Uh, three minutes while I've been on hold. I enjoy being on hold, and I've learned a lot, Jules. I've learned a lot. Have you ever tried to sort of slip, slop, slap? You go, and, and there's always that bit where you miss. You know, you put the sunscreen on, you get the little red sort of triangle. Or so, damn! And you've got to wait for ages oh, yeah. for that for, for that tear to disappear. I'll tell you what. <clears throat> Aloe vera was my best friend in Bali one year. Oh, Aloe yeah. vera and me, we spent three days, curtains <laughs> closed. <laughs> Never to return. Oh, I can just picture that, Brett Phillips. You dim the light, put on the Barry White and the Nora Jones and got funky with aloe vera. Huh? Yeah, Aussie Kim. Aussie Kim, I remember that well. Uh, you know, she, oh, look, she's always still beloved by the Australian crowds too, isn't she, uh, Kim, Kim Clijsters? Uh, yeah. Thanasi, Kokonakis and Adelaide have been covering this. Uh, lost his match-up against the Serbian Dusan Lejevic, 3-6-6-1-6-4. What did you make of that? Yeah, started started really well, Jules, and you know, obviously had a full house there. Memorial Drive, uh, the crowds were outstanding for uh, a day one of this tournament. Uh, back to a week, and of course, they've hosted the first two weeks of the season, the last uh, two years for the shifting around of tournaments. But look, yeah, two losses to start the season. I mean, that's not disastrous. It's a long year. You play a lot of matches, but yeah, I think the jury's out on Thanasi as to where he can go and how driven he is to, um, you know, be the best version of himself. I, I've said this a few times on SCN and on the, the first serve, and, you know, he's outward in uh, expressing, you know, his thoughts. He's not keeping it a secret from anyone that he struggles with the grind of it all, and, you know, the players don't have a long off-season. Uh, but his matches, you know, there's a bit of a trend that um, he'll be in an advantageous position and then sort of let that opportunity slip. A lot of his matches go to three sets. There's some really tight sets and tie breaks, and that means, you know, you're, you're cutting it very fine. Uh, you're a real 50-50 chance of winning, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, some of them go his way and some of them don't. So, you know, he could sit between 50 and 100 all year, and earn a decent living out of the sport. But, I mean, he's always had top 50 capabilities, but whether he's going to get there, you know, he's going to have to really roll up the sleeves, Jules, because the competition around him is really, really hot. There's no easy matches. You can't ease, ease into any tournament these days. And 
well, I'm fascinated to follow the journey this year, whether we see the real upside or whether he, um, yeah, just sort of meanders through the season. Yeah, indeed. And think about the nasty former champion there. You never quite knew what his ceiling was. He, a very popular player, very talented player, just just cursed with injury. And I, and I hate seeing in any sport BP sort of unfulfilled potential. You talk about top 50, you know, if he went unencumbered through his whole career and played to the best of his ability. Oh, I thought he was a top 20 standard player, Thanasi. Oh, no doubt. I think that was the narrative at one stage, that he was, you know, better than Kyrgios yeah. when he was, uh, you know, at his uh, absolute uh, peak. And, look, he has, yeah, obviously dealt with a hell of a lot. Um, and, look, it's just good to see him playing uh, with no real injury concerns. So now he's got to try and make the most of that window you know, that he has 27, 28, you know, can he play his best tennis and be inside the top 50? So, yeah, there's just no shortcuts. Um, he's going to have to really dig deep. And and that goes for, you know, that big batch of Aussies ranked between, say, 40 and 80 at the moment. You know, they're all capable. They're all, you know, got uh, great assets they bring to the tennis court. But to go further, they're going to have to really dig in. I'm so glad, and we talked about this yesterday, didn't we, about this batch of Aussies in in that top 100? Because there was a while where it was looking really barren, where we had hardly any players in the top 100. And I was thinking back to the day with such a rich tradition that we have in the sport of tennis in this country where, you know, outside the sort of the, the top guys, you had your, you know, your Kratzmans and Frombergs and Kales and players of sort of that calibre that were really solid sort of top 100 players. So it's nice to see that depth being bolstered again in Australian tennis. In the men's doubles, uh, Savile and Bolt fell to the German duo 6-4, 6-4. Uh, yeah, and Alex got through qualities, which is good for him on home soil from a singles uh, point of view, but didn't quite get it done in the doubles. So, yeah, despite losing Kokonakis, Adelaide, it's got plenty of Aussies. Um, Chris O'Connell, Jordan Thompson, Ricky Hidjikata are all going to play on centre court today. A great result for a guy called Adam Walton. Now, to your listeners, he m- might be relatively unknown, uh, Jules. I mean, he's 176 in the world, absolutely lit it up in college tennis at Tennessee, came onto the tour pretty mature at the age of 23, 24 last year. He's gone from no ranking uh, to be inside the top 200. He was given a wild card into the AO for next week, and he qualifies beating uh, two top 100 players in Adelaide, earning himself a spot in the main draw. So... Yeah, keep an eye out for Adam Walton. Young kid called James McCabe as well. Now, he's got in as a lucky loser. This is what happens with these events leading into the AO. There's a few in the main draw who decide to pull out late to be ready for next week. So you get a few lucky losers who stick around in qualifying. Uh, James McCabe's a 20-year-old from Sydney. Uh, built like a brick shelter shed, let me tell you. Got uh, huge <laughs> shoulders. He was a swimmer back in the day. Make a good rugby player and yeah. he can serve big. Uh, so he's bound for the top 200. So... Yeah, I think, you know, and look, James Duckworth, he slipped back inside the top 100 uh, officially yesterday with his quarterfinal appearance in Brisbane. So let's hope Jason Kubler can get back there where he was pretty much for the bulk of last year. That would make 10. But I'd love more between zero and 50 jewels because Mm. the Demon, um, you know, he's up there and Purcell and Popper and sort of kicked inside the top 50. Let's have a few more, Ken. Indeed. You know, this morning we're doing a bit of uh, tennis research and Charles, who's producing today, was stunning us. That can't be right. I said, what's that? There's a tennis player called Matthew Delavadova. I see, yeah, that is absolutely right. Do we know if he's related to the basketballer, Brett? Yes, he's a cousin. Cousin, um, okay. He is a cousin. And, in fact, we had Matty in the studio for a whole edition of the first serve game back to, I think it was February, almost yeah. 12 months ago. And he's had, 
Yeah, he's had a tough ride. And actually, you know, to see him win a qualifying match in Adelaide was brilliant at a 250 event. That's a big step up for him. He's in the 400s. He has toiled all over the world, earning next to no prize money. His father, Peter, is a well-known coach here in Melbourne at uh, beautiful Wonga Park. And he um, has you know, largely funded you know, Matthew's uh, career just to see him on the road. And uh, I hope he eventually gets some rewards. He, he, he's many are in the ecosystem dreaming uh, of a professional tennis career, Jules. And you know, it's, it's, it's hard yards for a lot of them. Yeah, no doubt. Now, Aussie Open qualifiers, Brett, uh, cancelled due to poor weather. Uh, we understand it's set to go ahead, uh, well, around about now. Is that right? Yep. Yep, they're on court. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, weather, I mean, the weather is the absolute stark contrast to yesterday. So, uh, yeah, we've had, um, you know, sunshine out this morning and we won't get any rain. Uh, Dane Sweeney's out early. All Aussie battle on court three. Uh, Priscilla Hon, the Queenslander. This young uh, Emerson Jones is one to really put an asterisk next to the 15-year-old from the Gold Coast who has got potential star written all over her. Yeah, Arena Rodionova, we've... Uh, I talked about a great start to the year, having to go through uh, qualifying. I think there's about 15 of the 25 Aussies out there today. So, yeah, look, washed out yesterday, but they've got Friday to play with if they need. Uh, the draw, obviously, for the, the main draw comes out Thursday with a Sunday start, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how today pans out and if they can catch up. And just a quick word on the women's tournament uh, underway in Hobart, I'm just having a look here. Mm. Got, uh, Emma Navarro, Sophia Kennan, I see, is in action as well. And uh, the Aussie, Olivia Gadecki. Yeah, and Daria Seville had a great win uh, last night under lights there in Hobart. So she was the late call-up dasher over the weekend as the late wild card. Once she'd actually got the Australian Open wild card, which meant that she didn't have to go through qualifying. Hobart snapped her up, and, yeah, Dasher was terrific last night coming from a set down. And, yeah, Kadecki, as you mentioned, the other one in the main draw. We're hoping Olivia this year can maybe crack the top 100. She's in that what I call little graveyard area between 130 and 100. Uh, Jules, it's sometimes very hard to get out of. She's made a lot of uh, ITF finals. Um, I think she's 3-11 and 11 in those ITF finals, so she needs to turn those into victory. But she's a huge talent. Uh, once again, from the Gold Coast, who do produce um, not only um, uh, good weather, but some good tennis players. And, yeah, she'll be in action uh, a little bit later. Beat Kim Birrell up at uh, Brisbane last week. So that was, um, yeah, a good little fillet for her. OK, great to get your thoughts as always, Brett. We'll be in touch regularly throughout the course of the tennis summer. Thank you, mate. Indeed. Thank you, Jules. Yeah, just I can't get that image out of my head. Brett Phillips in a dark room at Bali. Just him and aloe vera. Said... Crack a bintang, put on the Nora Jones, and let's go down to Funky Town. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That is the open line number, the text line number, 0457-736-736. Rob from Sutherland Shire. Jules, I'll be putting Cameron Green after Mitch Marsh and opening with Steve Smith. Experience and success counts for a lot. Holding a wicket as an opener, giving Green a chance to get more experience over time. Smith has a great record of three. No real big difference opening. Oh, yes and no, Rob. I just, you know... The point is, if Andrew McDonald says I'm reluctant to move him from four, if Pat Cummins says I'd rather keep him in the middle order, I mean, you've got to keep the counsel of the captain, even though he's not officially a selector. So it's great that he's prepared to put his hand up and said, I will do it, and maybe he needs that as a, as a Philip to sort of get him out of that, you know, by his lofty standards, a, a batting funk, Steve Smith. 
And as I said yesterday, you know, he's still good. He's just not as good as he was. And it's a hard thing to swallow. It's like James Tedesco. If he only has a 7 out of 10 game, everyone's calling for him to be dropped. He's been 10 out of 10 for years. Ah, uh, Tedesco cost us origin one. Yeah, he's not the player he was. Drop him now. He's not the best. You know, think very carefully before you dump your champions. Very, very carefully. Good on to you, Rob. Good to hear from you. I don't know, JK, says Pearl. If you're at the beach with mates, I'm doing the sunscreen myself. I ain't asking Steve-O to sunscreen my lower back. <laughs> yeah, would you mind putting some lotion on me, please? Steve-O, as in Steve O'Keefe? Socky would do it. He's that kind of guy. He's a very giving individual, Socky. No, but I was at, at just the, the holiday house with the wife and kids. You know, we've got, I mean, we've got so many sunscreens, I can never find it. So we've got the big pump action one. You've got that one, the Cancer Council recommendation, but you squeeze it out and it's as thick as molasses and it takes forever to apply. I can't stand thick sunscreen. And then the roll-on because it's convenient, but you always, you never quite get enough. Then there's the spray. Now they say don't put the spray because half of it ends up on the floor. So I don't know. I remember when it first came out and they said, make sure it's SPS 15 and now, I mean, you can't buy the stuff. It's got to be 50 plus. So go out, get some sun. Because you're so coated in the stuff, you probably don't get your hit of vitamin D, do you? Aloe vera, you're a sick puppy, Jules, says Pedro the rooster. Well, aloe vera, we've got the fresh aloe vera plants outside our place, which is great. So you cut them off and just apply the gel. It doesn't smell amazing, but it's, it's fresh. It's good stuff. But we know sun safety is a very serious issue and we should slip, slop and slap because Australia has the highest rate of melanomas in the world. I still have a portable spray tan booth left over from my three daughters at home, says Spart. Feel free to pop over to Five Dock and I'll, uh, I'll uh, even out the colouring before you go to the next performance <laughs> for Manpower. Have you got this little paper G-string, Spart? Aren't they the ones you've got to slap on too? You just sort of... And they put the arms out, turn this way, turn that way. Is that the one you stand up in and they're the... They just sort of, it's, it's like you're being crop dusted or something, which sounds really, really unpleasant to me. 0457 736 736, the text line number. Feel free to call me 1300 01 1170, summer mornings. It's time to talk some hoops with that ear friend, Joe Healy. She's on the line right now. Morning, Joe. Good morning, Julian. Happy New Year. It's, ah, Happy New Year. Now, I'll, I'll give you a pass here. Because normally it's like, okay, a week into it. Uh, granted, we haven't spoken in 2024, but a week into it, do you still wish people? I guess you do. I, I knew this was coming, but I haven't spoken to you yet, so I felt the need. No, well, from you, look, you know, I'll always be forgiving for you, Joe Healy. Uh, we're talking about sporting splits on the program today. Obviously, the Tiger Woods and Nike going their separate ways. Can you think of anything in, I guess, in basketball circles, like players that have left a club and joined a rival club or, or team that you think, oh, gee, I... As a fan, I hated to see this. Anything anything spring to mind? Oh, gosh, it happens all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, the King, the King, LeBron James. Yeah, um, Cleveland and Miami. Bounced, exactly. Bounced yeah. down. As a Miami fan, I, I really felt that one. Um, but, no, I, I think it happens all the time. And, and players with their, their branding, Kyrie Irving uh, is another one who's, who's split from uh, multiple uh, brands and things like that. So yeah, no, it happens happens all the time. Mm. And there's got to be a cohort of of seventy um, sixers fans that were perhaps disappointed to see Ben Simmons leave. Even though, judging by the boos, a lot of them were more than happy to see him leave. <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon the large majority at the time were uh, were happy with that one. <laughs> Indeed. Hey, what about the Sydney Kings? You know, it's always hard, isn't it? You go back to back. You have got a new coach. They've slumped ten ten. It's they've been a frustrating watch this year, haven't they? They've been competitive, but 
the D's letting them down, and they're just they're allowing teams back into games. So this game against the Bullets, I mean, that's a game that they should have sewn up and probably would have last season. Absolutely. Um, they were very disappointed uh, with that game on Sunday. They would, would have had that one circled as a, a guaranteed win. Look, they're not, they're not out of it. As you said, they've slumped to 10 and 10, but they've been in this position before as well. Um, and granted, some changes were made at the time, but I think Ian Clark, uh, two seasons ago, they were struggling and then went on to win a record 13 straight and won the chip. So it, it's not dire straits right now, but from the outside looking in, it, it feels like a change needs to be made. Hopefully there is something made. What that is, who knows? I mean, you look at NRL, you look at football, every sport really. The coach is the first one who's probably on the chopping block. Mm. Um, but they they have injury issues with DJ Hogue as well. Depending on how severe that is, do they look at bringing in an, an import injury replacement? I think that there is still, um, as I say, hope there. They've got the talent, that is absolutely no doubt. But, um, but yeah, things need to be done because at the moment they are not playing up to their own expectations. Yeah, I agree. So 10 and 10, still in fourth spot at the moment. I don't know if it's quite panic stations. And as you said, they've got the roster to do it. So I'm not prepared to, to dump them at this stage. But just looking at some other teams, no. I mean, uh, I'm just so happy for the Illawarra Hawks. Uh, you know, I know they've got the great <laughs> rivalry with the Sydney Kings and and the rest of it. But you know, I just don't see they're a team that you can dislike. They had to make a move early. They moved on to a new coach, Justin Tatum. He's got them humming nicely, haven't they, bounced back? They've been excellent. They absolutely are the resurgent Hawks at the moment. Three-game winning streak as well, including that big rivalry upset win on Christmas Day, which from a neutral's point of view just kept things very interesting uh, in terms of the rivalry. So that was a, a fun one. Um, but Justin Tatum's been unbelievable. I, I was not convinced that he was the right guy to take over when they first announced it, um, but I'm 100% on the bandwagon. I feel like he's absolutely shown that he can lift the team. He didn't come in with head coaching experience, but he's shown that he can help them perform at a really competitive level. So it's been great to see. He's utilising Sam Froling a lot more, which is opening up some of the, his shooters as well. They, they look like a completely different team. And as you say, small market, they're really hard not to like, and and you you just you want to you want to you want the feel good story. You want to see them some playing well and competing. So it's been it's been awesome. Are they a potential playoff dark horse? Yes, yes, absolutely. I think what they're fifth on the ladder at the moment, and they they have the advantage of having played the fewest games in the entire league. So while they're fifth, they have the opportunity to to really push and and make a run. I don't know. Come come finals, come you know a, a five game series against United or Perth. I'm not sure that sure whether they've got the troops to to really uh, cause an upset there. But they they'll be a problem. I spoke to a couple of the Bullets players the other day after their win over the Kings, and they've got the Hawks next up, and they they're a little bit concerned about mm. that one too. Now, just looking at the table, so Melbourne United, I mean, tremendous squad depth, of course, first by quite a distance. The Perth Wildcats, we talk about the rise of the Illawarra Hawks, the Perth Wildcats, I mean, there's talking about moving on from their coach in the early part of the season, and they have just soared up the ladder. Then you've got the Jackies ever consistent, the Kings holding on to fourth spot. Um, do you see the champions coming from that crop of four? Is it a race in two? Or are the Kings still a chance? The Jackies still a chance? 
I think everyone's still a chance. Um, the Phoenix have, have obviously really struggled of late with, with injuries and things, but even the Breakers, um, they have the troops to do it. They dropped a, an important one the other day, which they should have won. But every team in this league, it's the, it's the beauty of this league, every team is competitive, even the 36ers. I was about to say, yes, even Adelaide. The okay. ladder. They've, had, they've had their issues, but they just knocked off the top team and, yeah. and really stunned Melbourne. So... It, it, you know, if you're a betting man, oh, there's no way I'm ever putting a head-to-head on. Honestly, this league is, is far too competitive. Uh, just at the NBA too, Joe, Joe Reef, he's, he's doing some nice work too for the Trailblazers. I wonder how integral he's going to be now in, in Gorgeous plans for Paris this year. Absolutely. I think he would have been anyway. Um, he's had a, a, a really great showing with the national team uh, in, in previous years and, and he's got a great relationship with... Um, <laughs> with Gorge having been down there at Illawarra. But it's so awesome to see Dorp killing it. He had a career high of, what, 25 points a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. His first NBA double-double the other day. And he, from from an athletic point of view, I mean, you go to the NBA and it's just another level up. But the fact that he can shoot the three ball and he's a great rim protector is going to keep him in the league if he can continue to do that. So it's, it's a really wonderful story. The Blazers, let's be honest, they suck right now. They're... You know, second bottom, um, but but they're building um, and they've got some decent pieces. So really pleased for him um, finally getting his his rewards. No, you're right. Talk about three. It's just something beautiful about seeing big men who can shoot. You know, they don't just sort of they're not just lamp posts that just stand there and screen. You know, they're big men that can shoot. And you had a string of their bow. You know, shooting is everything in this game. As you know, just a quick update. What have we got at the moment? So, OKC on the court at the moment. They're playing pretty good. What do you mean? Just very quickly, in and around the Josh Giddy stuff. I don't think I haven't spoken to you about this, mm-hmm. but obviously it's still a a bit of a distraction, all that stuff that's happened you know, off the court. What have you made of his game since that, since that news broke? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously been really tough for him. He's a, he's a young guy. He's a human at the end of the day, and he's been absolutely bombarded the internet is a horrible place um but but the fact that he's got good people around him he's been able to put his head down and just keep working um and focus until you know this comes to a head at some point um but yeah he's obviously his his numbers on the court uh, in terms of his minutes were a little down but he seems to have found his feet again okay see they're still fun to watch you still want to see um josh over there doing really well i think did you see nathan buckley was courtside for one of his games the other day Is that so right? he's, he's yeah. got su- he's got support um and he like i said he's got a, a great agency and good people around him so you can only you know hope that everything is okay um and that obviously it takes care of itself yeah, yeah well, in the hands of the law mm, well they're playing good ball at the moment they're third in that western conference uh, always good to chat joe healy love to speak to you again we'll speak soon catcher thanks so much there she is, Joe Healy, talking all things basketball, 0457 736 736. John from Harrington Park. Did I mention this and I've just forgotten? This is sort of apropos of nothing. Uh, JK, seven gold medals at the Munich Olympics. How good was Mark Spitz? Yeah, he was good. <laughs> We're talking about, uh, yes, sort of that famous Sports Illustrated cover, Mark Spitz with his seven golds. Ah, swimmers and swimmers, he had the moe, the hairy chest, the sluggos. And then they recreated it with um, Michael Phelps, didn't they? Many, many years on. Not sure it's been mentioned. Brady left the Patriots to the Buccaneers. Yeah, that would have made, well, last Tiles in charge. His thoughts on that. Then he goes and wins with the Buccaneers, Tom Brady. So people mentioned Tom Brady Giselle. Maybe the biggest split was Tom Brady leaving Belichick and the Pats to go to the Buccaneers, which on the side of his bucking head.
A big sports split. Cricketers going to World Series cricket and Ablett Jr. going to the Gold Coast. Big money. One of the best players I've ever seen, Gary Ablett Jr. Uh, yeah, big sport. Cricketers going to World Series cricket. Well, you know what? They wouldn't have if they were paid properly. And thankfully, it was only a couple of years before the two parties had a seat at the table and thrashed out their differences. And just on that, Matt, thank you for your text. Got to say, Jules, you've been quiet on McElroy's backtrack on live. Apparently sees a place for it now. What's your thoughts, mate, on Rory's backflip? Well, you know, it's interesting, right? I'm still not a fan of live. I'm not a fan of the format, and I don't think you can sustain the two tours forever. So maybe the reality has dawned on Rory, and he maybe has changed his tune, that we need to bring the two parties back to the table. And that is apparently what's going to happen. Albeit, it's been delayed. It was in its current form. So they've got John Rahm, and you think about it, they have a bottomless pit of money. They're going to keep poaching players for as long as it takes. It is not good for the game of golf. It is destructive for the game of golf. So I think the tour doesn't really have a choice now but to make a deal with the PIF. But if they do it, once you do it, I'd be shelving live golf. I'd be dissolving it in a heartbeat. I don't know what other option they have. And you find, too, we talked about World Series cricket. We've seen it with the Super League. You get these splits. They happen for a short time. Eventually, they don't last. They don't last. And I, you know, I've made no secret of my disdain for lift golf. You know, the whole Saudi Arabian human rights aspect, I get that. And people say, well, is it hypocrisy to say, well, you take the PIF money? Well, if you've got to take the PIF money, don't compromise your morals. I mean, don't then shut up about human rights abuse. And this is what I've said all along. I'm not anti-Saudi Arabia. I don't say don't engage with Saudi Arabia on accounts of, you know, locking up dissidents and dismembering journalists. Uh, Leighton Hewitt, Kim Kleist, has been very popular today about the splits that, splits that upset you, I've got to say. The biggest split, says Dana Canberra, would have to be the split under Gary Jack's eye after Ian Roberts took exception to something that Gary Jack said. Oh, that was brutal. He was one of the, he was arguably the most brutal footballer I've seen in Roberts. I spoke to Ian Roberts about, he can't remember part of his career too. He's, oh, I said, what about the hit you put on Mick Potter? Oh, I don't remember that. You can see it on YouTube. He absolutely folded Mick Potter for the drags. A nice little kick return, 20 metres out, and Roberts just comes in, bang, split the bloke in half. And Jules says, Daniel, the great sporting splits. I can't go past Cooper Cronk and the Storm, the first of the big three to leave. It felt like John Lennon leaving the Beatles, breaking his contract early to relocate to Sydney for love and start a family with his now wife, Tara Rushton. Seen as a Yoko owner. Well, that's harsh on Tara Rushton. As a Yoko owner type character. The difference here is Tara Rushton actually has talent in her chosen field. Whereas Yoko just does these really weird conceptual albums. Anyway, make of that what you will. Yes, broke up the greatest trio in rugby league's modern era. If Cronk saw out his contract, there's an argument to say the Storm go back to back in 2018. What could have been? Uh, yes, sliding doors and what ifs. That's the thing about if. It's a little word, but such a big word at the same time. Uh, thank you, Thorough, as always. And before we get to T-Buck Chuck, I hope you're well. I am. Sporting separations. Brian Fletcher from the permed hair at Souths to now shaved head, says Corey Dragon at Maruya. Yes, and um, hopefully the perm never returns. Those soul glow stocks plummeted after he shaved his melon. Hello to you, Bear's Head. 0457 736 736. And hello again to you, Tubuck Chuck. Hello. Uh, the college football championships are just about to get underway over in America between Michigan and Washington. Do you enjoy your college football? No, I don't watch it. No, I don't I have kids now. I don't have time to watch college football. 
That's why I rely on you. Yeah, we that's, that's fair enough. Young, 25, uh, girlfriend who works during the single day. Single, ready to mingle. Oh, you're not yeah. single. Sorry. No, Apologies not single. to your girlfriend. She won't be listening. No, she definitely okay. won't be, yeah. be listening. Uh, but do you know how they rank the, the college football teams to that, that playoff in the, the prelim finals, essentially, or the, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl games? Explain to us. So they have a, a committee, yep. uh, a college football committee, in which every week they give a sort of power ranking to the, the best teams. So... They say, yep, this team is number one. They're 13 and 0. This team's number two. They're also 13 and 0. This team, oh, despite being 12 and 1, they've bounced back and are the third best team in the country. So they do power ranking style. And a team, uh, Florida State, uh, earlier this year went 13 and 0 and did not make it to the final four, which meant they didn't have the right to even play to get into the college football championship. 13 and 0. They went 13 and 0. Um, Who's responsible for these power rankings? The, the the college football power rankings committee. I'd love to know what the yeah. criteria is, though. Yeah. So what? Well, go on field, is it? Well, well so they base it off team performance, uh, injuries as well as a big one. So if a star player gets injured, uh, how would they perform? In what world is that? Okay, I don't know. So what happened to the Florida State team was that their star quarterback, he got injured uh, when they were 9-0. and mm. They then went, went won their next four games unconvincingly, though, according to the committee. Without their star QB. Without their star QB. Yeah. So they said, you know what, they're, they're not as strong as the Alabama team who went 12-1, and who many people disagreed with. Right, okay. The, yeah. the college football committee was later uh, vindicated when Florida State, in their bowl game, lost 63-3 to mm. um, without their star quarterback, which leads me to this question, and I'm, I'm big on this. Should we have a NRL-style committee in the for, for rugby league? Should we have a committee judging on which teams are the best power ranking style? No, we don't need because, to. That's what our SEN digital department does, Charles, <laughs> which you're integral to. Power I, rankings and people, who puts these lists together? I, I, I'm just of the opinion that there's always a team that scrapes in towards back of the scene that starts either really strongly yeah. and then fades away late and then just because they banked all those wins, they sneak in and then they get bounced in the first all week. The line, yeah. Whereas there are teams who... Albeit start slowly, but then peak their way up, but Roosters. just don't make it. So, so that's why I'm and I'm leading the campaign. I'm leading the charge. We need a committee power ranking style for the NRL. Sure what are your thoughts on that? Plenty of groundswell on that front, Charles. <laughs> uh, no doubt. Uh, look, can I think about it? Of course you can. Yeah, right. This is not a one and done thing. This is a this is a long campaign that we're we're launching today. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. All right, due diligence. Yeah, this will be, mark this on the, what's the date? January 9th, 2024. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mark it, clip this. Uh, Listen to this, Blake yeah. Maestro. It's like in the early days of 20s, try to get a hashtag to trend. It's just <laughs> not happening, is it? It's just not happening. Anything else you got, Chuckles? Uh, no, that's it. All right, thank you. Yeah, that's all right. You're all welcome. Right. Hey, Maestro, I'll bring you in because I haven't spoken to you. Alan Stachich and the Matildas, was that a... Was was that a split that saddened you? I mean, it was a very controversial one at the time. Yeah, as uh, we don't have time to go into all the intricacies of that little separation. Um, yes, I would say it did sadden me. It was just before the 2019 World Cup, which Ante Milicic ended up taking the Matildas to. Still managed to win a knockout game and get through to the quarterfinals. But um, yeah, there's a certainly a, a thought within Australian football that that team could have gone as far as the team four years later at our mm. own World Cup. Franz Beckenbauer, the yes. Kaiser. You know, when you see these lists of the greatest, I mean, he's you know, obviously Ronaldo Messi more recent times, but then you've got your your Cruyffs and your Beckenbauers and these you know uh, sorts of players. They're always mentioned. 
Bobby Moore's probably the only other player I can think of as, as a defender that yeah. is revered in the way that Franz was. Mm. And um, Beckenbauer changed football because of the way that he defended. He was a sweeper when his team were defending. That's uh, basically a, a roaming player around the back line. And then he would step in front into midfield when they, they had the ball. So he was technically adroit enough to, to perform an attacking role, essentially, yeah. with the ball as well as being the, the linchpin to their defence. Um, and that was a system that he pioneered and basically carried football all the way through to the late 90s. You know, when you think of a player that changed the way his sport was played, he certainly falls into that category. And he's one of the only three men... Uh, we lost another one of them, Mario Zagallo, um, on Saturday to As, have played yes. in and uh, coached his country to a World Cup. So two in recent times. So mm. how's Didier Deschamps feeling at this point? Well, time, that's right? right. And he's the most recent of them, Didier. Um, but France was also, Zagallo was part of the Brazil team that won the World Cup in 58 and 62. But Franz Beckenbauer was the captain of the West German side that won it in 74, playing the Socceroos, on the way to doing so in the group stages. There you go. And uh, Simon Hill, our illustrious colleague, has tweeted a photo of him and Beckenbauer from 2005. Mm. He has an age a day, Simon. He's a bit longer and greyer. No, he certainly has age And Beckenbauer, just finally, the last yeah. connection to our Australian audience, he is, he is reportedly the single vote that we got in voting for the 2022 World Cup, oh, that God. infamous we campaign. Money up yes, the exactly. Was it Les Murray who said the bastard moved the goalpost on us? Well, and saying, yeah. Franz Beckenbauer was left holding the candle for Australia. So he'll <laughs> always be remembered for that. Thank you to Kaiser. Uh, uh, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Bono Jack. Gary Jack's referenced Roberts' boyfriend. Wasn't a great career move. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, the biggest sporting split was in the front half of one Australia split. Oh, I remember that too. The back half of America's Cup Challenge. You know, light as a feather, these boats. The split of the Northern Eagles with the death of the Bears in the NRL. It's better than being associated with Manly. <laughs> as a Bulldog supporter, hopefully a better year. Still worried about our front row not being dominant enough. Yeah, I mean, Chris Patolo on the bench. You're short, aren't you? A couple of front rowers, I think, Junior Smithy. I've noted the Roosters say, oh, no, we've read that one. Yes, thank you, crime scene. And good luck to you, North Queensland Cowboys. Uh, guys, I think Flanagan has got something to prove Given his history, I also think he's going to use his motivation to the players that nobody expects him to do anything. I also think they'll be in the top eight and they need us to fans back. Ah, uh, Dragon, Daggy Dragon. I don't think they're going to make the top eight, but I see improvement from the Dragons. Of course, the Roosters fans are plentiful. They've been in the comp since 1908. No joint ventures with the Chooks. Unlike St. George and Balmain, we are a true foundation club. That was really unnecessary, Matthew. Highly unnecessary. Uh, Jules, all the rich billionaires that run the PGA made all their money dealing with the rich Middle Eastern countries of which you speak. Isn't it funny how you don't hear anyone mentioning the human rights factors in the case? Double standards, I would think, says PG. Yeah, probably right. Probably right. NRL needs a play-in tournament. Where are you going to fit it? Where are you going to fit it? There's no way that'll ever, ever happen. A play yes, Chuck. Well, just, oh, are you just, still just, here? Yeah, right. I am still here. Just start the season early. To start the season one, two weeks earlier, I agree. The playing tournament, I agree. I'm still a fan of my, my committee power ranking style. <laughs> but a playing tournament makes a lot more sense because it's, it's worked wonders for the NBA. Mm. It's worked wonders for the NBL. Let it work wonders for the NRL. We're all about Americanization of sports here. Well, Damien says the playing tournament would be during the regular season. The final two rounds wouldn't be finalised until we know who's a chance of making the eight. Those teams play against each other. You know what, Damien? Uh, that's a much better idea. We're getting to, we're getting to Joel Kane areas here right now. So, oh, God, I've got to think about it. All right, let's take a break.